Hello listeners and welcome to From the Tiger's Mouth. Tiger Recruitment's podcast series is the number one place for workplace insights, thought leadership and topical issues across the global job market. In each episode, we'll be inviting an expert guest to share their thoughts and advice within their professional field. Whether you're looking to reinvent the way you run your business or to hear new opinions and ideas on the state of the market, we've got you covered. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, stay tuned. Happy listening. Hi, I'm Mark Fletcher, consultant for the HR division at Tiger Recruitment. In this episode of From the Tiger's Mouth, I'll be talking to Natalie Quayle, the tax lawyer turned CEO. Natalie is the CEO of the teeth whitening product, SmileTime. Since its launch in 2019, SmileTime has grown to over 100,000 customers with products sold at Boots, Superdrug and Sephora. At the start of 2022, Natalie appeared on Dragon's Den and secured an investment of £50,000 on the show, winning over two dragons at the time. Alongside growing a business, Natalie has been a regular speaker on the BBC, discussing topics such as the cost of living and entrepreneurship. In this podcast, I will be asking Natalie how employers can help employees with the rising cost of living. I hope you find it as interesting as I did. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. The first question I really want to ask you is, with the rising cost of living, what areas are you prioritising to help your employees? Sure. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me on today. So at Smile Time, I think one of our core focuses right now, looking at the cost of living crisis, it's very much stabilisation is the starting point to help support our employee base. Because the more stable and sustainable the growth of the business, the more uh, sustainable actually being able to retain the current employee force that we currently have and being able to continue to grow that workforce over the next 12 months. So when I say stabilization, that's really been in the last three to six months, we've looked at our rationalization of costs, seeing where we can make savings um, around, for example, our supply chain and our manufacturing uh, capabilities. Those who don't know what Small Time does, we're fulfilling its oral care and at-home teeth uh, whitening products, so very much cosmetic, uh, but there's also very much a healthcare, digital health focus as well. Uh, so those products are sent out majority from the UK, but they are manufactured in the USA, they're manufactured in Asia, and some in the UK and Europe as well. So we have an international supply chain, and there has been a lot of instability because of price volatility caused by COVID over the last few years and uh, the Ukraine war this year, pushing up energy costs. So the the wider political instability has definitely caused concern for our employee base because everyone is worried about whether they're keeping their jobs. And so really what we focused on is how do we secure the foundation of the business, rationalize costs and make cuts where we can so we can continue to retain our existing workforce uh, and continue to grow over the next 12 months. What sort of support strategies have you implemented and, you know, what have you seen as a result? We have done a recent restructuring of our marketing team and the support that we were offering as part of that restructuring was twofold. 
So we had to look at it, as I said, kind of cutting costs where we could. So a couple of offers that we made to our existing employee force was whether they wanted to work a condensed work week. Mm -hmm. So work, for example, over four days. So they would have at least a day where they didn't have to deal with additional travel costs. Or we were were able to offer a 10% uh, pay increase to a certain part of the uh, marketing team. And interestingly, 90% actually went for the pay increase, even though we've had to peg it. um, It's a temporary pay increase, particularly to help through the colder months over the next six months. And for us, we've aligned that with the government strategy with energy assistance help looking at, you know, they've obviously, the government have capped Uh, provided an energy cap for households and so our reasoning was we would provide a temporary pay increase that was in line to help provide that additional support but it will likely last as a temporary pay increase until next year April and then we'll review it again. Longer term do you think these strategies are here to stay? It's not really sustainable for these strategies to stay. The flexibility in working is definitely here to stay. And I think that is an add-on we're very happy to offer our employees. It's a really, I think, quite straightforward way for us to be able to attract talent in a competitive market uh, where we're not always able to match on a straight remuneration packages. For example, digital marketing is an area that we hire for. And I'm sure a lot of businesses in Uh, The marketing space will know how difficult it is to hire someone with the requisite expertise in digital marketing. You're looking at uh, a six-figure salary remuneration package as standard. And if we can't always match expectation in the market, we offer flexible working and a really clear training support package as additional incentives to help kind of get that talent in and also provide a really clear pathway as to how they could progress at smile time and the additional opportunities for them to make their way into management, potentially get an equity share later on if they contribute to growth at a certain level. Looking ahead, do you have any further plans um, to help employees with the cost of living? So I think we're keeping everything under review. Next year will be potentially particularly challenging. We're seeing interest rates will be increasing this year. And I think it's still up in the air to what extent those interest rates are going to sustain at the high levels they're at. We've definitely seen, I've seen that, you know, in the news recently, the return of negative equity when it comes to house ownership will likely be returning in the UK and the UK will be one of the worst hit developed nations. So as that's where the majority of our workforce is based, that those are the kinds of considerations we're having to think about over the next six to 12 months. So in terms of additional support that we're thinking of offering, I think it's going to have to be reactive to the environment at the time. Right now, as I said, you know, we've we've offered flexible working, training support incentives, an increase in pay to help support for the next three to six months. And I think we're going to have to see where we're at in six months time before we introduce anything additional. In terms of perhaps looking at some businesses who have struggled to retain employees during this time, what advice would you give them? 
I think communication is really key. I'm seeing a lot of businesses at the moment, you know, you know, big, big chains in the high street, the likes of Wilkinson's, uh, a lot of the kind of fast fashion e-commerce brands. There are a lot of supply chain stresses, a lot of issues to do with inflation. And I think what we're seeing is just a lack of communication with their workforce. And that will result in further disruption to the business because a really distracted workforce means that everyone is mostly having one eye on the door and trying to look around for a different job and productivity will go down. So I think even if you don't have the answer yet as to where you are in terms of decision-making, effectively being really clear on these are issues that we're considering, we're going to keep you in the loop. I think checking in on both in in person and on an email perspective, because you know, I think we're seeing. I think a perfect example is, um, you know, when we're seeing the communication at Twitter right now. I mean, it's a lesson in how you don't communicate with your workforce when you tell your entire workforce we're going to have to work very hard, and you know, this is the hardest you're ever going to work. Shocker that fifty percent leave the next day, and that's effectively what Elon Musk has done with Twitter. And I think. You know, a lot of people say there's rhyme and reason behind the chaos, but right now I think we're waiting for that to emerge. So I think that's definitely a lesson in how not to communicate with your workforce. You want people on side. Ultimately, you know, the majority of businesses, the people that are working in the business day to day, they are the backbone of the business. They are the reason you're able, you know, for us, we're able to send orders to our customers, communicate with our, our own customers, help provide that, you know, those certain touch points that are helping to improve the value we're providing, um, product development, customer satisfaction. And so if you start to alienate your workforce and you're not communicating with them, the entire brand and reputation can be really damaged. I think Twitter's reputation right now is really damaged. And that's as a result of new management that has come in. And I think you'll see, you end up seeing customers start to leave in droves when they're not agreeing with the moral and ethical positioning of what management are doing. So I think keeping those communication channels open for businesses that are struggling to retain employees is super important. Treat your employees with respect, with dignity, and you need to make sure that you're doing everything you can to keep them on side because they are the backbone of your business. I mean, the most effective communication methods on a practical level and what sort of really works for you or would you be happy to talk about something like that? Yeah, sure. So... For us, email is usually a starting point, but it is never the ending point. I think it's so important to go in, speak to your staff on an in-person basis, you know, because I think it's so easy for messages to become really remote and distanced, especially against, a you know, quite a, a difficult backdrop as we're seeing with the current economic circumstances. Email alone can just seem really cold and lacking in I think kind of just I think a personal support which ultimately you have to remember that your workforce are people they're not just workers working for you they are very much they're leading their own lives they have their own worries their own concerns and I think having an employer that is really thinking about how can I help support the people that are the backbone of my business that is so fundamental to not just how you're being seen in the eyes of your workforce that's good for business because that is how, you know, if it gets into the news that kind of you're, you're managing in a way that is really impersonal 
and really cold and quite ruthless, customers in this day and age will, will abandon you and leave in droves. You do need to be thinking about your comm strategy with your workforce is not just your comm strategy with your workforce. It is, it's going to make its way into the media. It's going to make its way into the consumer sphere. Your, your consumer and customer base are going to want to know how you're treating people because ultimately it's bad for business in this day and age to not being treat, treating people well. That's just, I think it's a starting point um, for a Western brand that wants to be leading in respect of sustainability instead in respect of, you know, being viewed as taking the right in inverted commas moral and ethical path and reflecting the same kind of values that most of your consumer base are going to want to be seeing. You referred to offering personal development packages within within your business. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So this is particularly relating to our digital marketing team. 90% of our business is currently online. We do a lot across Google, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, affiliate marketing. Uh, and so having, we, we traditionally used an agency model, but as part of our cost rationalization, we were finding that there was, it effectively wasn't working as well as it should have been. And so that's why we decided to bring that resource in-house. But the main issue was we were seeing, you know, to try and attract a digital marketing expert in-house. It was a really competitive market uh, from an employer perspective in terms of there's not much talent on the market that can really has the expertise and can work independently uh, for an affordable price. You're really looking at six figures plus for uh, the right expertise, effectively like a digital marketing lead. So for us, really offering a training package where we could support professional development, both from a time perspective, in addition to a cost perspective, was something that really helped to seal the deal and some really key talent to bring that in-house. Because I think in this day and age, and especially in industries that move really quickly, such as digital marketing, professional development is an additional training can be one of the key ways they differentiate themselves as leading talent. So I think that us being able to offer not just, okay, this is how much we can, this is the budget we could put forward for training, but also this is, you know, for X number of hours per week, we would allow you to do that within working hours. That's really rare. Most companies will say that you need to any kind of additional training or professional development might be funded by work, but it needs to be done outside of work time. So I think, but we see the benefit of really providing that time spend um, to help attract that talent. So I think that was a key one. You spoke about the importance of having a clear career development pathway for your employees. What strategies are you implementing in terms of visibility? In terms of career development strategies, at smile time we look at usually at the outset we kind of let a new employee know over the next six to 12 months you're going to have a review every couple of months and we'll have a discussion about performance and usually pay is going to be reviewed at six month intervals and that's kind of what we're just very clear on that at the outset because it makes it really clear it's not something taboo. I think the worst thing is when someone, and we all hate talking about money, it's really normal, but 
I think just being really clear at the outset as to what that looks like. You know, you're going to be reviewed at X date, pay is going to be reviewed at X date. And then it means that there's no confusion for anyone involved. And I think it's also really important to have a level playing field. The worst thing is when you have a situation where you have different employees on different rates and it's for really arbitrary reasons. Uh, It's just, it it creates an atmosphere of, um, I think, resentment. And we all know employees talk between themselves. So often just, it, it creates quite a negative feeling within the workplace and again a distract a distracted workforce is a disruptive work for workforce and as a business not what we need to be we need people to be working efficiently uh, just a personal story from when I, I used to be an employee myself and I was working as a lawyer I remember that a colleague just kind of walked into my office and I was like really deep in the middle of a I think a tax report or something typing away and when the when the colleague asked me what what salary are you on and I was just kind of like taken aback. And the problem is when I'm taken aback, sometimes, sometimes I just respond. So I just like told her, but as in like, after she walked out, I was like, I know, why did I say? Like, I didn't really think about it. And I think, you know, often employees are kind of told, you know, you shouldn't be talking about your salary. But in, the, in some circumstances, it's just so awkward. Someone's asked you a question. I was like, I thought it'd be even more awkward to be like, oh, I can't tell you that. But it's just such an awkward situation. Anyway, the awkward situation got worse because she then used that information to go to our mutual boss and be like, why is Natalie getting paid more than me? And I obviously, I didn't know I was getting paid more. It was, I didn't, I had no visibility on it. It was definitely a very awkward situation that in the future, I I just noted for myself, I never want to have to deal with similarly awkward situations. (laughs) So just transparency, consistency, keeping everyone on a level playing field, I've learned from experience is the best way forward. You've got obviously some really, really carefully thought out things in place and what maybe you're doing to kind of measure employee satisfaction or the success of some of your measures? Sure. So I know a lot of big businesses would issue email surveys and paper surveys to determine how successful their various strategies are being implemented but quite honestly it's useful that I have been an employee myself I was an employee myself for six years at big businesses in law and I just find that approach really impersonal and I know what exactly what I did with my you know feedback four minutes put it in the bin that's just just what happens like no one's interested so I think for, for us a much more engaged way is usually just to factor in feedback from our employees in their review sessions when we're having reviews with them it's a two-way conversation it's not just okay this is what your performance is it's how you know the strategies that we've implemented which do you like which don't you like what do you think is working what don't you think is working and why and do you have any additional ideas as to how we could do better because that's a dialogue that someone sitting in front of you is like oh there's I could actually make a difference here I could actually influence the decisions that are going to be made and that puts both parties in a in a conversation then and so for us it's I would say it's not like a a really clear metric but I think that in-person feedback usually tailored into our review sessions is very helpful in getting 
it's a, it's a litmus test as to what the satisfaction looks like. And quite honestly, I don't think people really undervalue what just asking your employees' opinions, like what do you guys think? That in itself improves employee satisfaction. Employees want to feel part of the future of the business. And, you know, I think we are in a very lucky position where we're rapidly growing. Our employees are a fundamental part of the future of the business. Um, I, I do think that re- that should resonate for most employers. So any resources you can recommend where, you know, people can either perhaps listen to or, or read up on, on sort of thoughts around um, retaining employees in the cost of living crisis? Sure. So a couple of places that I've recently commented on these issues are in the Telegraph uh, in respect of how to... Um, I did a recent article on how to improve retention. I also recently did a conference with the BFI. They did a whole day on ways to improve retention in the employee workforce for a range of employees at different sizes. So I think that should be available uh, remotely now. Um, So that'll probably be a great resource as well. 